Aloha. We're glad you've joined us for this Reunion Hawaii Church podcast. These teachings by our pastoral team are recorded live during our weekly services in Honolulu, Hawaii. We hope you will be blessed by this teaching. Father, we surrender this night to you. We surrender every night to you that you would be moving. We come into agreement with the spirit that you would just be moving in our hearts even now, uh, that you would just be opening up our hearts, our eyes and our ears, that we would see you moving and hear your voice. And we just say, have your way, Lord. Amen. All right, I can drink to that. Um. Yeah, I'm so excited for this topic. It's such an awe-inspiring thing, and I'm going to try my best to get through and just say everything I feel like I have to say tonight. Um, I'm going to actually set a timer so that Pastor Gary doesn't come and just yank me off the stage with a big cane (laughs) or something. Um, I I really want to honor you guys' time, but above that even... I want to honor uh, Holy Spirit. I I never want to be in a place where I'm more worried about what I have to say than what the Spirit's actually doing. And there's some things that Father's been speaking to me about for tonight that um, I'm very excited about. And so uh, I'll try and be pretty concise with what I'm saying. So get your Bibles ready, get your, you know, whatever else, just uh, buckle up. We're going to try and get this plane in the air and land it in about 30 minutes. So. Let's see how this goes. It might be a crash landing. Um, Yeah, this has just been a a topic that if you talk to any of those close to me, they would tell you how transformational this has been um, in understanding this, uh, an actual unbraiding from religious duty, an an unbraiding from an impoverished mindset, and, and that is the revealing of the Father. A key assignment of Jesus was not just to make it so you didn't go to hell, but was actually to bring you into the arms of a loving father and to reveal exactly who he is. It's, it's great to not go to hell, and that's, a, that's an amazing place to start. It's a horrible place to stop. Father, it means a lot of things to a lot of different people, um, myself included. If, if I walk into a room with 10 people, and there's quite a few more than that in here, and I say, Father, you're going to get 10 different interpretations of that word. And if we're honest, many of us in the church, we, we tend to refer to God as father, as if it's a pseudonym, a name that he wants to go by, rather than a truth of who he is, a way that he longs for us to experience him. His intent isn't 
just to be called a name, but it's actually that we would be transformed by stepping into that reality. Does this make sense? Um, if you want, turn in your Bible to Matthew eleven twenty-seven. We'll put it up on the wall over here also. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. It's easy to read verses like this, and there'll be a couple more tonight, and I'm sure we'll expand on this in the future. We're, we're so far removed from this that we don't actually understand how radical of some of these statements, how radical of some of the moves that God actually made in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, uh, because we don't understand the culture, we don't understand the times, and, and we've actually grown up hearing these things, many of us as Christians, um, experiencing these truths, and so we just kind of take it and say, yeah, yeah, that's cool. But put yourself in the shoes of a, a, a Jewish person of that time, and you know these stories of heroes, Abraham, of Noah, of Moses, of David, who's called a man after God's own heart. And Jesus stands surrounded by those kind of heroes. And I just imagine him drawing a circle around himself and saying, anyone outside of here, they may know parts, but they don't know my father. Only I know my father. the leaders and even just the common people of that time would have thought that was the most audacious claim that anyone could ever make. Because these people have seen God, parts of God, and Jesus says, only I know the Father. It's radical. A Bill Johnson quote, you have to have one per conversation with me. <laughs> um, Jesus is perfect theology. He used to say that, uh, he still says it, I'm sure. Um, and I would be in class as a young man and hear that and I would think, oh wow, that's a cool thing Pastor Bill says, it's poetic, it's probably right, you know. Um, I don't totally know what it means and it wasn't until later on walking through things that I realized. For those of you that don't know, theology is essentially, in basic terms, the way that we perceive scripture, the way that we, uh, the lens through which we read. Um, and Jesus is the express image of the Father. Jesus is exactly what the Father has to say about himself. So there's no part of Jesus that does not look like the Father. And it's, it's easy to come into agreement with that. I would be worried if I said that to a group of Christians and they said, ah, I don't know about all that. Um, I, I understand that, um, but to know that as a deep truth in our heart is a completely different story. 
In John 15, 19, Jesus says, this is my paraphrase essentially, truly, I only do what the Father does. I only say what the Father's saying. Um, I don't have a slide for it, but feel free to check it out and you'll say, oh, wow, that was actually right. Um, but to, to say that, to let you know that every action you see Jesus take is the action the Father is taking. We can all agree that Jesus is just as righteous as the Father. We can all agree that Jesus is just as holy as the Father. But can we all agree that Jesus is, that, that the Father is just as merciful as Jesus? Because Jesus goes running to these sinners people like to try and make these arguments of, well, they repented first. A lot of them didn't. But Jesus finds them and he seeks them out and he loves them. He embraces them. He has meals with them. He's making covenants with them. But we still perceive God as one who can't look on lowly sinners. One who can't interact with us because, because we're not right with him. And Jesus says, I won't wait. I'll pull you in, I'll love you right now. I'll feed you right now. I'll heal you right now. As a teenager, um, and this will date me a little bit, but I remember getting these, and uh, maybe you guys have received these as well. Uh, you know, it was used to be chain mail, and then it would be chain texts and these kind of things. And um, I remember sitting there in bed one night. I specifically remember exactly where I was. Um, I was sitting in bed, and I had my little flip phone razor, and. Uh, yeah, I just, I remember I got this text and it said something to the tune of this and I would imagine this is all too common. It said, you're in court and you're gonna receive the death penalty. The judge basically has you dead to rights and he's just about to say, this is the verdict. He's a moment from dropping the gavel, and right before he does, a man comes in and he says, no, I'll take the punishment. And it's this picture that's painted to us of the father, the judge, Jesus, the man who comes in and takes our punishment. And there's parts of it that are true But that's the thing with deceit. Oftentimes, parts of it are true. The religious spirit is smart. The religious spirit knows if it came forward and just simply said, God's not good, we would say, that's ridiculous. But when the religious spirit tells us that he needs justice, and that thirst for blood that he has can only be quenched 
by him taking it out on his son. We go, okay, I guess I can see that because if I read the Old Testament, it seems kind of angry. And, um, you know, even in the New Testament, there's some parts that seem a little like they don't make sense to me. But it's an absolute lie. To use a phrase from a teacher that's really spoken my life, C. Baxter Kruger, he says, we have an impoverished Western theology. We have so much influence, uh, so much Platonic, Plutonic influence uh, from Pluto. Uh, we have so much influence, whether you guys understand this or not, from uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God, Jonathan Edwards. It's still the most studied sermon of all time. And if you have never heard it, then you are truly blessed. Um, uh, you're not missing out on a whole lot. But this is what's crept its way and led us to paint the face of the Father as a monster, as someone who needs punishment. Many in the US, you go to the Bible Belt, you go to anywhere, honestly, California, anyone can fall into this and we can so easily believe that he's retributive. We can so easily believe that he's this stern, angry, joyless father. A man with a white beard and a robe who sits in the clouds and just judges us. He writes down everything and He's just waiting to let you have it. In the West, when we hear judge, we automatically love to put God in this role of put this powdered wig on, put this robe on, and here's a gavel. But that's not a judge. That's a judge to us. But to the Jewish people of that time, they wouldn't understand it that way. If you want to know what a judge is, go to the book of Judges. And you'll see exactly what God says a judge is. Over time and time and time again, Israel fails. Israel falls down. And God actually raises up people to fight on their behalf, to save them, to rescue them, to come to their aid. And he says, that's what a judge is. So if we're going to see him in some way, we have to see him as the judge that he says he is. And if you don't want to agree with that and you say, no, I can't let go of that thing this easily, then the judge is your father. And your father doesn't just like you, he loves you. That changes everything. If you want, turn with me to John 17, 26. Again, we'll have it up here. Jesus says, and I have made your name known to them and I will make it known so that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. What was the name that he made known? something like uh, 13 times in the Old Testament that father is used. 
And it's always in a general sense. It's never someone's father. It's, you know, a father of a nation or um, these kind of things. It's well over 130 times. Um, it's much more than that, but uh, for lack of me knowing the specific number, it's well over 130. So you're talking 10 times more at least that father is used in the New Testament. And it's not just father that's used in the New Testament because that's such a formal um, phrase. It's actually Jesus using the word Abba. And many in here may go, yeah, yeah, I get that. But again, we're so far removed from this thing that we don't actually understand how radical of a situation we're actually speaking of. To go from never almost calling God Father to using a word that in English, the closest thing would maybe be Papa. A word so endearing and so intimate that actually when they did the Greek translation, they had to keep the word Abba because of the power that was in that word. So they would say Abba Patir. I have made your name known. Every time that Jesus refers to his father in the New Testament, historical Bible scholars have said every single time, except for one, he says Abba. He refers to his father as Abba. Rome feared Jesus. And the Jewish leaders of the time feared Jesus, but they feared him for different reasons. Rome feared Jesus because of the kingdom, because of the word king, because what are these Jewish people going to rise up and come against us now? Are they going to try to overthrow us? Do they want their own system in place? We can't have that. And so we need to shut it down. But the Jewish leaders feared him because of the word Abba. How could you ever say something that's so close, that's so endearing? But remember, Jesus is the express image of the father. And he's exactly what the father has to say about himself. So the father's presenting himself and he's saying, I'm your papa. I want you to be so close to me. I want you to be so, so intimate with me. And I think as a church, we need to let that sink in. That it's not just Father God. It's our beloved Father. It's our Papa. It's our Abba. That's longing to be known. I don't think I've said anything too controversial tonight, so... I guess we'll just turn it up a little bit. Um, we'll see. Uh, if you guys have an issue, you can just email me at sam underscore cabra13 at gmail.com. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't think that's actually his uh, email. That'd be, that'd be impressive if it was a word of knowledge. No, it is his email. Okay, email that. Um, 
we can leave that verse up there. So we're told that we're going to be loved with the same love the Father has for Jesus. And that sounds amazing. I want that. You want that. Who doesn't want that? And we all come into agreement until we get in some verses that start to not make sense any longer. And then we go, oh, okay, I, I don't totally know what's going on here. Um, we talk about when Jesus went to the cross. And many of us in here, I'm sure, have heard teachings similar that Jesus took the cross and he had to receive all the wrath of the Father, everything that was meant for you and I. And so we love, again, we say, hey, you're good and, you know, hey, God is good. And oh, yeah, right, brother, God is good all the time. But then we get to verses like this where we say, hey, God is pouring out all of his anger and all of his wrath on Jesus as he takes the strikes from the cat of nine tails, as he has the crown of thorns pushed into his head, that this is the father because his wrath has to go somewhere. We've all heard this kind of thought, right? I don't, I don't want to make a straw man argument. I, I've just seen it so much in the church. But it can't be both because in 2 Corinthians, we're told that God, that the Father is in Jesus, reconciling the world to himself. So it can't be both. He can't be judge looking for blood, holding the cat of nine tails, and also be in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And if you look through Acts, it never says God killed Christ. It says we did. But we time and time again say, hey, we have to make sense of this thing. It's, it's God. Jesus became our sin, and so God had to take it out on him. And it leaves us in this place where we hear that we have a good, loving father and he's for us and he fights on our behalf. He loves us. He loves us fiercely and it hits our spirit and it rings true, but then it's got to make its way through all the dogma, all the religious trash in our minds and more often than not, it short circuits. I wasn't taught this as a young man. I was taught that God is upset at sinners, that he has to take his wrath out on them, that, you know, this idea that, hey, Jesus is, he's great. He gets down in the dirt with us. But the father, he, he can't look on sin. And then that does what? That makes Jesus somehow less righteous than the father? And that's heresy no matter where you go. He's the exact image of the Father. And the Father never turned his face from Jesus. 
He was in him the entire time from start to finish, reconciling the world to himself. He was in him every moment, taking every strike, never looking away from him. There's a verse that, if we're honest, probably haunts most of us. It hangs over us if we don't have the right understanding, and the religious spirit loves it. It's, it's in both Matthew, uh, and we, Matthew and Mark, I believe, we, we see Jesus on the cross. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And if you're anything like myself when I was young, I hear that and I go, okay, he loves us with the same love he has for Jesus. And Jesus is saying, you've forsaken me. Jesus, you know, the way I'm taught is receiving the wrath of the Father because he's become our sin. So if Jesus can get it, I can get it. Many believe that Jesus was actually quoting Psalms 22, which, like many of the Psalms, it starts off as heart-wrenching, but it ends victoriously. I told you every time Jesus spoke of the Father, he always referred to him as Abba, always referred to him as my beloved Father, Papa, always intimate. But when he's on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Isn't it interesting that when Jesus took on all of our darkness, all of our brokenness, all of our sin, is the first time in all of eternity that he called his father, my God. I feel like that was a better point than the response, but that's okay. He's attributed so many bad things. The floods, the wildfires, the earthquakes, those are acts of God to the Christian and the secular. The cancer, the, the accident that will say, maybe God's just trying to teach me something. but that's not who he is. You have reason to question anything, Bible or not, that's said about the Father that does not show itself in the person of Jesus. 
Jesus didn't come to kill, steal, and destroy, but to bring life and life abundant. That means the Father does not kill, steal, or destroy. If you've been in the church for long, you know there are people that prophesy, oh, Las Vegas is going to be destroyed. California is going to fall off into the ocean. When Jesus leaves Capernaum, the disciples approach him and they say, hey, these guys, um, they didn't give you a place to speak. They didn't listen to you. Do you want us to call down fire and brimstone on them? And Jesus rebukes them immediately. You don't know what spirit you're functioning under. Because the heart of the Father isn't to destroy these people. But yet we can come into agreement and say, well, these people seem lawless to us, so clearly God wants to punish them. And Jesus goes, I love them. He's looking for a people that would represent him. He's looking for a people that would know him as father. He's looking for a people that would know him as Abba, as Papa. If you guys want to turn to Romans 8.15, we'll read 15 and 16. This is from the Passion Translation. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved Father, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost beings, you are God's beloved child. Did you know that a key assignment of the Holy Spirit is to reveal that you are a beloved child. To reveal God's fatherhood and make it real. Many of us, that's time. <laughs> Many of us have unintentionally unintentionally inherited an idol that we call Father. And we attribute things to him that he would never do. Yeah. 
And look, I'm not saying it's your fault and this is what you want. I'm saying that this is what the religious spirit has done. And it's lied and it's still stole from us and it's deceived us. To make us believe that he's this austere God. thing is not the one true God. It's not the Abba that Christ revealed. And if it doesn't look exactly like the Abba that Christ revealed, friend, it's an idol. And our Father is jealous. He longs to have us. To love us to pour out all of his comfort, to pour out all of his joy, all of his peace. You are the object of his affection. family, we've, we've talked about these points that Holy Spirit's revealed to Sam that we pray through and we, we reach as we walk into revival. We're already experiencing miracles. As these things increase, look, his word does not return void. It's happening. But this is absolutely crucial that we understand who the Father is. that we lay down anything that doesn't look exactly like what Christ has shown us. Because we can only love with the same love that we've received. And Abba is perfect love. And I'm telling you, this is a revelation that's been working its way in my heart for years. this is what God wants to do because I feel like there's a connotation that says he would do this if you all would respond in a certain way but I know that I know that I know that this is what Holy Spirit's doing right now that he's beckoning us to let go of who we've decided the Father is and to believe in the Father that's revealed to us in Jesus alone.
This is how we receive everything that Jesus paid for. Jesus came to reveal the Father. Are we willing to receive that? I just feel like there's an invitation tonight. We often talk about costly offerings here. This is a costly offering. I feel the Holy Spirit asking you to release any place that you've had wrong thinking about who the Father is. Any place that you've put him in the position that was not shown in the person of Christ. And if that's you, I'm gonna ask that you respond. And that might look like coming forward, that might look like standing up. But I'm telling you, there's freedom on the other side and there's blessing on the other side. But holding on to any part of an idea that's not him, it won't get you anywhere. So if you feel like there's even a piece of that in you, I want you to stand up out of your seat There's not shame in this. There's only freedom. If you feel this thing, I want you to come forward. And we have some fathers in this place that want to cover you. not rushing through this. no bystanders at, at reunion so if you feel like hey this isn't me I have this thing figured out there's no place in my heart that I feel like I'm believing things about him that are not him but look I don't care if that's the Old Testament or the New Testament if you're having trouble and thinking that he's angry and that he's looking for punishment that's not him but if you don't feel that way I'm not going to force you, but I'm going to ask that you join us in praying. 
that we contend for our brothers and sisters. So right now we're gonna have some fathers in this house move around the room and the rest of us will just join in and praying, speaking freedom and truth and releasing that. That just looks like saying, I lay this down before you, Holy Spirit. I lay down the right. I lay down the right that I've taken to decide what the Father is actually like. I break off that lie and I close the door to it. Holy Spirit, will you reveal to me the truth? Look, it says it right here. He's longing to reveal to you that you are God's beloved child. He's longing to reveal to you the fatherhood of God. is good and that's all he knows how to be we're going to stay in this time but I've felt this on my heart so strongly in a in a group this size it's always likely that there are some that haven't stepped into his kingdom of glorious light. And if that's you tonight, and you feel like I want to know that father, there's no other way into the kingdom except for through Christ. 
And if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior tonight, we want to join you in celebrating. So if that's you, I'm just going to ask that you raise a hand. If you want to know for certain that you're right with God, we would love to join you in that. right over here. Let's celebrate him. We have to give Jesus everything that he paid for. Can we have you come off to the side right over here? We have a team that would love to pray with you. Let's celebrate, guys. This is amazing. Yeah. Our team's going to continue praying. And if you're being ministered to, we want you to stay in that place. If you guys could just stay seated for a moment. Um, my beautiful wife is going to come up here and let you know what you've won. Awesome. Thanks for coming, guys. Um, we're super glad you were all here for this beautiful time. Um, but if you need to go, this is your official dismissal. We are going to do some more time of ministry. And um, since we have these people up in the front receiving, if you're on the for more teaching like this, subscribe to this podcast. If you would like more information about Reunion Hawaii Church, our website is reunionhawaii.com. If you're in Honolulu, join us Sundays at 5, live at Kahalama. Aloha.